the planet's puppet masters almost surely have a plan. There's clearly maybe something there beyond the realm of man. And until you've thoroughly tested every last close-tested view, I find the more you think you know, the less you really do. Where would we be without THC? Cause we know they're lying to us, just don't know to what degree. Where would we be without THC? The higher side chats show. Greg Carl Wood and Company. Happy days are here again, higher side chatters from sunny San Diego. I'm Greg Carlwood. And I'm sure I'm not alone in not being all that enthusiastic about the picture that's being painted as to what the next decade is looking like for us. World Economic Forum overlords, climate lockdowns, new lab leaks, cyber pandemics, rolling blackouts, rising inflation, mass media deception, carbon credits, central bank digital currencies, online speech police, metaverse, Zoom meetings, medical dictatorship, 5G towers, transhumanism, and the satanic inversion of all that is holy. Lofty, psychopathic goals that seem to have a shockingly low level of resistance or even awareness. And the only real antidote seems to be a mixture of individual development, personal responsibility, self-sufficiency, and the power of meaningful, like-minded friends, networks, and community. So today we're coming in hot with the biggest guest list THC has ever seen for a single show in 12 years, and the common bond is that nobody here likes this digital dystopian future. And everyone sees the value of working on yourself with the help of other people on your page that are doing the same. Kicking us off, we've got Darren Grimes of Gramerica fame, who is also responsible for making such sanctuary through his network of events under the Contact at the Cabin umbrella. Fresh off a very ambitious trip to Egypt and gearing up for the event that's bringing us together today, Magic and Manifestation in the Mountains of Mount Shasta, February 9th through 13th. Then we've got Joe Roop of the show Lighting the Void and the network Fringe FM, where you can find great shows like Gramerica and THC included in the 24-7 lineup of counterculture content. Joe is also a longtime student of the Western mystery traditions, the occult, consciousness, sacred sexuality, astral travel, and more. Next, we've got Owen Hunt, a.k.a. Bootsy Greenwood, comedian, coach, author, and the host of the Blue Collar Mystics podcast. He's also the creative producer at Shadow Walk Films and the creator of the Blueprint to Happiness program, an intensive course designed to help you find and implement your life's purpose. But that's not all, folks. Making fella number five on the line is Brandon Powell, a professional Brazilian jiu-jitsu self-defense and functional fitness coach. He owns and operates a dojo in Charlotte, North Carolina, and became certified in the Wim Hof Method with the first group of U.S. instructors learning directly from Wim himself. And all of these fellas will be sharing their tips and tricks for being a well-oiled human with a finely tuned mind, body, and spirit at the upcoming event along with your humble stoner host. So let's dive in. The personal responsibility takers and counterculture community makers, the magic on the mountain men, fellas. Welcome to THC. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. It's hard to know when to talk so we don't step on each other, but I will do my best to smooth it all out. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's also kind of challenging to have this many people on an audio-only podcast, but I figured we could just jump around between each of you and talk about the areas you know best, as well as fold in 
some of the mystical and mysterious aspects of the Mount Shasta area, and it seems like that would make for a good time. So when I stopped by the Pine Top cabin, it seemed like there was a big emphasis on Brandon teaching the Wim Hof breathing method and doing cold plunges. And if you're looking for cold, I think Mount Shasta in February is where you find it. But Brandon, kick this off by talking to us a bit about the benefits of cold therapy and what it is that you teach exactly, because I've heard you refer to it as exercising our nervous system or upgrading our autonomic function. What do you mean by that? Well, cold is an old ancient force, as ancient as they come, maybe. And utilizing it as a training method and as a practice that one would take on was definitely brought to life in the last, you know, say decade through Wim Hof, for sure, you know, and I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to meet him, train with him, and spend some time with him learning the practice directly from him, and then ultimately teaching it ever since. And the practice, you know, with the cold, you know, as a foundation, really emphasizes getting in touch with first and foremost, your ability to deal with stress. And that's really what the foundation of the whole practice is, is how to mitigate stress internally and externally. And that's where the cold is sort of a doorway. And when I say a doorway, it opens up into an amazing space where you can get about as mystical as you want to be right in the moment. I mean, it's if you think about, you know, shamanism, which is really where my emphasis comes from in the sense that I've always been interested in these ancient techniques. Some people call them technologies, but I would say that's more when it comes to life in the body. But these techniques essentially all are derived from the cold. I mean, the word shamanism comes from the coldest places that we know about now, from mm -hmm. traditions that were, you know, essentially coming out of like deprivations of living deep in these cold places, seemingly never being able to escape with, you know, as primitive as you can be. But it's something about all of the ancient hunter-gatherer cultures that all had a form of what you would call shamanism, some type of mysticism that comes from these ancient cultures. And it all seems to arise like it's a part of the evolution, you know, like it has to be there to pull us forward or from that deep animalistic state. Mm -hmm. So the cold now is like a natural practice and something that so many people in the modern world are taking on is like a deep link between and that's Wim's whole emphasis is that it connects us back to nature, but it does this through training the nervous system and really optimizing the way that our body is designed to be, you know, which is interacting with nature. Mm -hmm. I know that's a lot of words to say, hey, yeah, it does great things to ultimately connect you deeper into your body. Yeah, I think that's a great pitch for it. And stress management and stress mitigation is going to be important for the next few years from what I'm seeing. So I like it. 
And Joe, I listened to an episode of your show where you had Owen on and you guys were talking about some of these breathing techniques and you used the phrase that it actually changed your life. And I'm not sure if you were referring to the cold aspects as well or just breathing techniques, but what about this stuff has been impactful for you? You've been through a few of these group weekend retreats that involve a lot of this kind of training. What do you think? Well, I think from the breathing point, like in the ceremonial magic side, we do the fourfold breath and the balanced breathing, right? Just to balance ourselves and, and start to learn how to get into the trance state. What I learned from Brandon was that the count or the balance, there's so much more to it, right? There's the intake, the rhythm, the way all this stuff plays towards the body. And I've, you know, as a ceremonial magician and out of body guy or whatever, I've done all kinds of stuff to experiment with trance states. But the Wim Hof, there's some intensity to it, right? Mm -hmm. It kind of pushes you. It pushes you to a certain extent so that you can actually feel when people say, hey, your body can do more than you think what it can do, right? And so Wim Hof kind of shows you this. And then it also shows you just how deep you can relax, too, at the same time. So it takes you to both poles, which I'm not saying magic doesn't do, but this did it. Like, I started seeing lights open up, man. You know what I mean? And I'm asking myself while I'm doing this, I'm like, all right, I'm either passing out or this is what all the Hindus, you know, are talking about, right? And this dude's like just yelling in the background, come on, a little more, you know, and he's pushing you to see how far you can go. And I think a lot of us need that because it builds a program in our unconscious. It's like, hey, I can go a lot further and I can experience things consciously that I didn't think I could, you know? Yeah, you know, we have talked about how our culture is really lacking in coming-of-age rituals and rites of passage, and so that's why we have so many adult babies out there that you have never really faced hardship and avoid it. Mm -hmm. And if you avoid hardship, you know, get used to the Netflix queue because it's right outside your door, so you better be, you're going to be locked in all day mm -hmm. if that's your goal, is to avoid any kind of hardship. And it seems like there's a layer of it that is similar to the walking on coals thing. It's like, wow, I didn't think I could do this. There's a challenge element. There's a rising above element. But then there's also like massive physiological effects on the body that are pretty important for us to experience. I, I never experienced that kind of cold here. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm definitely due. But to refill that tank, what are some of the physiological aspects to it? And obviously, this isn't the whole point of the weekend is, is just this breathing thing, but I am intrigued by it. And uh, I'm just kind of curious about the physiological aspects that kind of show us, hey, here's the hard data, here are the numbers, this is good for your body, everyone should do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at the data that Wim has put forward in the last decade, which we now have a lot of good hard science behind, which is why the method is easy to follow along with. Ultimately, it's really the only one that's done this type of testing. And we know that the breathing and the cold, both components have to be there for the full effects, for sure. The cold, though, physiologically, you go through a metamorphosis with it, which is beautiful. And it's really the value of it in so many ways. But when you first initially, let's say, take an ice bath and, you know, it just could be entering cold water consciously with the intention behind doing it. Like you're putting yourself in there instead of falling into a frozen lake, right? The difference of wanting to be there versus not wanting to be there is very powerful. 
you're exercising both aspects of the nervous system at this point where you are emphasizing that you're trying to relax in a stressful situation. So you're bringing out the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the relaxation, but you're doing it by virtue of creating a stressful state. And that stressful state is initially adrenaline, right? So that's the action hormone. It's kicking in. You've, you've made the intention. You've gotten into the cold water. Now you're having this response and that's adrenaline and epinephrine. There's various compounds and chemicals that are occurring, but the reason that it's occurring is because we've kicked on full, let's say, a fight or flight state. And you're in a sympathetic nervous system state at this point, but trying to consciously relax. And the doorway to that is through the breath. That's the only way. So utilizing the breath at this point, consciously trying to calm yourself, de-escalating from the panic breath, essentially, puts you into a state where your vascularity can then change. And this is, the cold has a tremendous effect on your cardiovascular state. So it's like cardiovascular training, essentially by just in doing, let's say the allotted time is an accumulative time between 11 and 12 minutes a week. If you're getting in that much time per week of cold, you're going to have what is called cold adaption. And this is the real metamorphosis is that your nervous system is no longer confused like it would be in the course of, say, one or even maybe two, three, four times of getting into the cold. It begins to adapt if you consecutively, which you have the opportunity to do if you train, you know, in, let's say, a weekend or four days' time, if you consecutively train, you become cold adapted, which means your nervous system is now priming itself before you actually enter into the cold, which allows you this ability to actually create a true mind-body connection through intention. You're telling yourself you're going to do it. Your body says, yes, you are about to do it. And then you step into the cold and you become adapted through the breath. And as you become what we say is cold adapted, it only takes a few breaths now to gain control. And then depending on your approach, and there are many, and if you want to learn mine, you have to get with me, but ultimately <laughs> what you're looking for is quick adaption. And then you can move really deep into the meditative side of being able to, let's say, have a symbiotic connection with the cold because the cold creates massive types of sensation and those sensation aren't arbitrary. And when you can connect the mind to those sensations, then you can have a conversation with your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And this is a true fact that Wim has demonstrated because just being in the presence of the cold, Wim has shown that his nervous system performs exactly like it would if he was already in the cold water. And this has to do with this type of training, you know, with putting yourself in the situation over and over again, really not that many times because Wim demonstrated being able to bring people into a lab who repeated his results with just four days of training in the cold with him. Hmm. And we're going to replicate some of that training in the Shasta event for sure. You know, that's the point. The training is simple. That's why I love it. As a martial artist, the types of things that I've been interested in, in our practicality, I want quick results that are very highly effective. 
And that's what I saw within the Hoff system and why I knew something that I could integrate in with my teaching. Because generally, you know, we just want to take the training wheels off of things and go for it. And this type of training really gives you that. Yeah, it sounds like it does. It's just a, a mechanism for self-mastery and putting ourselves in difficult situations that are safe. You know, that, that's kind of the, the cool thing about it. You know, it's just cold water. Like you can handle it, but everything in your mind and body is like, don't do that. I can't handle it. And yeah, there's lessons in there for sure. And Owen, I wanted to fold in kind of your area of focus, which from what I can tell seems to be really accomplishing goals, which kind of starts with aiming at the right thing, developing what our goals even are. A lot of times we think we know what we want and we really don't because we haven't sat down and truly honed in on it. So to say manifestation doesn't work, well, what have you tried to manifest? You know, even that's foggy. So obviously there's a, a bunch of steps in the chain, but it seems like crafting infallible plans to attain any goal is something that you'd like to focus on. The psychology of evolution, the science of authenticity, and identifying perfect goals by self-remembering. I saw you do a couple of videos on self-remembering, but Talk to us about just your focus, what you bring to the table, and how you help people at these events actually have the time away from their busy life. We're out at a cabin at Mount Shasta. People have some time, and you direct them to focus on proper goal attainment. Is that right to a degree? Yeah, definitely. I consider myself to be a generalist. That's why I love Brandon's work so much and Joe's as well. We really weave together a lot. And I'm a practical mystic, basically, for all intents and purposes. I want to see results, too. It's not just about doing woo-woo shit into the ether or, you know, whatever. But I'm also a huge nerd. So I've looked into Gurdjieff's work, Russian mysticism by this guy named Vadim Zeland. And that's a big part of many of the different strategies or ideas or templates that I've kind of taken from and I've sort of just assemble that and try to synthesize it and make it as simple and accessible as possible. So goal setting is huge. Purpose is huge. Learning to leverage ourselves and motivate ourselves. Like it's not easy. It's like you're saying, cold water is not going to hurt you, but you still got to get your ass in there mm -hmm. somehow. And so the way we talk to ourselves, the way we deal with ourselves and use our energy ultimately really does. It comes down to energy. And it's cool because Joe has this grasp on some of the more Western esoteric traditions. And I'm sort of more familiar with the, I would say more contemporary. I don't want to call it new age, but like you say, manifest, you know, it kind of depends on how you define that word. But, you know, between the two of us and three of us, really, with all of these different elements, it gets to be a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of generalization and understanding ourselves, actualization. There's a lot of different buzzwords that you could throw in there, but ultimately it really comes down to having a firm understanding of who we are at a deep level. And then we can set those goals, the right goals, right? You don't want to set the wrong one. You wind up five years, 10 years down the road. And you're like, oh no, I totally screwed up. It's like a plane that just gets off course a little bit, right? So mm -hmm. putting those safeguards in place is a lot of what I do and giving people tools to kind of flush out the difficult aspects, the things, the challenges that are going to hold them back and keeping them motivated and 
focused on what it is that they're trying to do. I like it. And these retreats, yeah, they're about meeting a lot of new people, people who are on your same page, because clearly over the last couple of years, a person who has a healthy skepticism of the state and the big machine, those people are going to stick out in your life a lot more than they might have before 2020. And so expanding that network for yourself is always a beautiful thing. Manifestation is clearly a flowery word, but it's like we are manifesting everything. It really just means choosing to go towards something, even if it's you're out for a drive and you want to stop at the gas station for a bottle of water. The idea comes, you decide I will get that water and you stop and you get it. That's a manifestation. It came from your mind to the material world. It's a silly example, but you know, scale it up to other well-defined goals. The reason that's a silly example is because we're like, well, anyone can get water, but it's like, you have to define what you want first. And on those big picture goals in a person's life, they probably have neglected to really hone in on the details of what that looks like. Write it down on paper. Everyone talks about writing it down on paper, but Darren, to bring you in, <laughs> get ready, buddy. Uh, you know, we have, I mean, I know you have done a lot of these events at various places, which is bold and awesome to just give a big fuck you to the machine and say, yeah, I think I'm going to go wherever the hell I want to go. And I think I'm going to get paid doing it and organize events and, and take this out into the real world instead of just doing the podcast thing like I do. But why Mount Shasta? Obviously, you could have gone anywhere and you have gone many places. Do you think there's something special about Mount Shasta besides just the cold that lends itself to this type of gathering? Yeesh. You'd think I'd have a good answer for that, <laughs> but I don't think I even remember. You know how we came out with Shasta, actually. It's a lame story, but we went to Pine Top. And the reason we went to Pine Top is because I wanted to check out. We've been going to all the national parks, so I wanted to check out this petrified forest that was close by, and I wanted to check that out. So it kind of branched out from there. And we'd had trouble. As you know, we were at the event, and there was we showed up. And that's a risky run when you're doing the first event at one of these things. You know, we do our event in Utah, where we go to the Zion Canyon and Bryce Canyon, and we smoke a whole shitload of weed out there. And we got Brown and Powell there as well. But we do the star thing out there. And we've done a couple of those. So you kind of knew what you're getting into. You know the host. You know the venue. You know all that stuff. Same with the Randall Carlson stuff we're doing now. We've done it all a couple of times. So you, you kind of know what you're getting. You know, there's always some wild cards. But you kind of know what to expect from the venue. But this was our first time trying the Magic on the Mountain. So we got this place in the Arizona mountains. And it's in Pine Top. And it's just this marvelous place. And I never thought to look at it on Google earth to see like exactly where it was, but it was like sold as being pretty big. And when I told her I was going to have people camp and all this stuff, she's like, yeah, no problem. And of course you guys know we showed up and there's like fucking no parking. Yeah. And you know, luckily we only had four or five campers, so they were able to make do and there was just enough room for the few campers that we had and get the ice tub set up, the two ice tubs into of the bonfire where we smoked a bunch of weed. Guilty. And there was no parking and the neighbors were freaking. They did <laughs> not. They were like, what the fuck is going on over there? We probably look a little culty and we're smoking all kinds of weed and we're 
you know, there's a lot. It's loud. We're loud too. Brandon's playing his drum and hooting and hollering, and we're hoping to get a stand-up set at Owen this year. But anyway, the Airbnb owner was like, "You guys got to go to my other property in Shasta." She's like, "It's 22 acres. Mm. You got Mount Shasta there." She's like, "It's magic because the the Airbnb lady was like all into what we were up to. She was like on the web page, and she's like, "Oh yeah, this is." great. It's like, I'm all about this kind of stuff. She's a big manifester. If you looked around her cabin in Pine Top or whatever you want to call it, it was just sort of like little motivational sayings all over the place that sound kind of cheesy, but I think like every single person sitting around this chat right now with us knows how important mindset and attitude and just fucking knowing you can get something is and you got to remind yourself of that every day because otherwise you slip into these ruts and then you know you're not holding neutral you're losing ground because mm-hmm. you got to create this shit one step at a time anyway she's talking to us about how great this property is in shasta and it's my i didn't know a lot about mount shasta you know you kind of hear it come up all the time but i didn't know a whole lot about it so she mentioned it and i started looking into it you know we looked at the property and it's big it's good for a lot of camping it's got a lot of the setup for a bunch of people to go crash and do some fucking culty shit mm-hmm. or magic shit or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I don't think it's culty from the outside world. So, and I guess all of our listeners probably don't think it's culty either, but we get that from the random events and everything else that, you know, we get this moniker of a cult. I don't think we're a cult. Well, I, I don't either. And I'm glad you brought culty up because it goes right along with something that I was going to mention here. So I went and did a little looking into Mount Shasta. I wanted to fold in some of the mystery. You know, when the settlers came to America, there was a lot of mystic talk about healing springs that the Native Americans held sacred. And several of these were near Mount Shasta. I totally believe in the value of structured water and these places where the earth has been structuring it naturally for a long, long time. And one of these stories goes that a semi-crippled Freemason, Professor Charles H. Allen, had a healing experience at Shasta Springs and a nearby spot called Mossbray Falls. And he wrote about it apparently pretty openly in his day. He referred to it as the true fountain of youth, as you would. And so I thought, heck yeah, maybe we can hike out to this specific place. And then I found out that the trail to get there is all privately owned now. And who owns it? The St. Germain Foundation, which was formed because of the famous story of Ascended Master St. Germain manifesting at Mount Shasta and giving Guy Ballard and his wife all this esoteric knowledge, all these downloads, as they say. And then they wrote a bunch of books and now they have a community, a.k.a. cult. And they now own that land, apparently, where the healing waters are. And maybe I shouldn't speak disparagingly about them because I thought maybe Darren or I would uh, call them up because they do have a number on the website. And maybe we could reach out to the St. Germain Foundation and say, hey, we hear you have some healing waters. How about you let us take a dip? I think that's kind of what they're all about anyway. So it could be cool. I'll call those motherfuckers Monday morning. <laughs> I like it. And see what they got to say. Is that the I am movement? That's the I am yes. movement, right? The ballad. Exactly. Yeah. And also, which is weird, the character in the book at Adorfa that is about a Freemason going down in the inner earth and just it's all exposition about just all this weird science stuff in this weird wrapper of a bean taking him underground. 
another type of ascended master story. And I think he calls himself that which is I am. Just another weird version of that. But underground cities is another huge theme in Mount Shasta. They say that's where the Lumerians went. This is why all the new age people love the areas because it's got this lore attached to it. They say the Lumerians, when Lumeria went down off their coast was the west coast of America. They saw Mount Shasta and they built a city underground. So clearly we got to knock on that door. And it's a volcano too, right? Yeah, I believe so. Crater Lake was a volcano, which now, you know, they call it Crater Lake because it looks like an asteroid impact happened there. And then there's this pristine, perfectly clear water lake there. But when you go there and you read the little signs, it actually was a mountaintop that exploded. And apparently there are lava tubes that connect Mount Shasta and Crater Lake. I looked this up because I thought, oh, well, if we're going to be hanging out and Darren and Graham are coming down. Let's let me see how far away Crater Lake is because I love going there. It's two and a half hours. Probably not going to happen. But to think that there are lava tubes, caves that connect these two is pretty crazy. I've read reports that the cowboys couldn't kill all the Indians because they kept popping up because they had these tubes mastered. They had, you know, tents and settlements throughout them and they could pop up over here or over here. I thought that was interesting, but it is a a mystical place with a lot of history. I hope we can take some time to venture out and try to find one of these places that is a known hot spring or do a little Bigfoot hunting. I mean, we're going to be out there on 22 acres secluded at night in the Pacific Northwest. We might hear the the chirps or whatever it is that the the Sasquatches do. The tree thumping. Or some C-SETI shit. I'm going to bring my laser. But we're definitely going to be doing some hikes. Brad and Powell is actually in the process of finding us a couple of good hikes and some cool places to go. So I'm totally open, though, to talk about, you know, we'll do that maybe offline, Greg, and let's we can plan deeper. But, uh, you know, with Wim, one of the best things that we do within our retreats is hike a mountain. I mean, it's the famous part of the breathwork practice because the breathwork practice as a individual practice is essentially simulating altitude training. So it's helping you build red blood cell in the practice. And we're training what is known as hypercapnia and hypoxia. And so we're getting into low CO2 states and low O2 states in the training, which is interesting because you begin to starve your brain of oxygen. And this kicks on the survival, all the survival aspects of the brain. And what's really great about the training is essentially if you just get into the training, into the rhythms, into the breath, and you let everything disappear, you know, you're going into these states that are, they're very psychedelic Mm -hmm. in nature. And what's interesting is also when you get in, you know, to climbing into high altitudes, these states start to show up, you know, I mean, to the point of, you know, if you think about people dying of hyperthermia, but yet somehow Wim was able to climb into crazy zones with very little clothing on, you know, going up Everest with his shorts and basically open-toed shoes and sandals. And so when we get out to Shasta, we want to be able to experience some of the cold with the least amount of clothes possible. Joe will be leading us (laughs) No, Joe will be in the back, <laughs> the way back. I'll be behind the camera guy. 
I'm working on my dad bod right now. I don't know if I'm working <laughs> dude. There. No, 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 dude. Like when we went to the mountain last in Pine Top, I'm like, I got this. This is no problem. I'm a big dude, you know. I like to party a little bit, so I ain't, I ain't, you know, ain't no cream puff, right? But we start walking out to this thing, and it's two miles of mud first, right? And you know what, like walking through the mud is, right? So you're pulling your feet out the whole way before we even get to the mountain, okay? And then when we get to the mountain, everybody that doesn't want to look, they kind of don't want to be the person that gets left behind. So I was like, I'll be left behind. I'll stay in the way back and hide. It's more comfortable that way. But he's right. When you get to the top of the mountain, the oxygen levels start shrinking, right? So a lot of stuff does kick in. Mm -hmm. You're like, maybe I used to, if I was on flatland, I could walk to that tree pretty okay. But that tree right there, it looks like a little bit of an adventure now, you know? So I'm cool with it. I just, I looked at Mount Shasta, dude, like, come on, man. We're not going all the way up that thing, are we? That's a <laughs> massive mountain, bro. We can't go. Yeah. We can't go to the top. So that's, there's no worries. Everything will always be safe. And I mean, really, this thing is about fun, man. Yeah. This is, yeah. you know, training in the cold is actually a really fun thing once you're adapted. If you know anything about Wim, that dude is all smiles and hugs and love. And it's just, I mean, he's serious. When you go out, you have to know you're engaging in something, but it's just a party after that. It's a blast, you know, yeah. but getting two things going at the same time, which is adrenaline, like we were talking about, but also dopamine. Dopamine shows up so big in the Wim Hof system. I mean, we are literally, truthfully getting high on our own supply mm -hmm. and everybody's holding, man. You start training this stuff and you see it, you feel it, you know that you're in a much better space because you're essentially turning everything on fully. You're kicking in all of the feel-good hormones and chemicals. And what happens is you have this all going at the same time and it's highly addictive because adrenaline and dopamine in connection, that's the action plus reward system all coming together and it feels fucking good. And so when you, you know, so when you start doing that, you recognize that like, doing the uncomfortable shit really has a payoff in the end and it feeds into your fitness. It is a natural health system. And if there really was one, and there's so much science to back up what I'm saying at this point, you know, everybody is talking about it. All the influencers now do cold. Everybody talks about the cold and I love to see it because it's really the truth. It's something like we have this organ in our body called brown fat and brown fat essentially is an evolutionary thing that we never lost. Like it's something that's existed with us for a very long time and we never lost it. And it's part of our thermoregulation. So our heating and cooling. And this gets into some really ancient stuff. When you look at how this connects deep into yoga and various forms of understanding the physical body and the spiritual body, you know, the body that maybe connects us into something the nervous system is so profound it truly is a weird alien inside of us and it's reaching out to the future before we are there and so it's having this communication and then we're being filled in consciously as we go along for the ride you know so the more you operate and train the nervous system the deeper you find your sensation outwardly if that means anything you know it's harder to explain, but it is something that I believe all of the great teachers and masters that we look at, the mystics, these guys were deeply connected to this stuff. And 
the brown fat organ is like this thing that connects us to it. It really is something we can cultivate and exercise. And it begins the, say, connection to the energy body. Mm -hmm. And that is a real thing that will show up in repetition when you train. So, you know, it's just like any skill, it will show up over and over and over again. You just have to put yourself into this particular state in order to achieve it. And you realize there's a reason. I mean, Wim's thing comes from yoga. It comes from years of training his body and then just doing crazy shit and having to adapt to it, you know, finding the extreme, which Darren and I like to find the extreme every time we're together. I mean, that is something that everyone will experience should they come <laughs> to a event, you know, whether it be this one or the 420, you know, you will have fun. There's no question. The goal is for everyone that shows up to one of these things to have a blast. And it's these things just that we do and the boys coming together, Joe and Owen, and I, I feel like it's a lot of humor. There's a lot of levity and some levitation, thanks to Joe. I mean, there's like so many creative people. Everybody is a creator that shows up and then feeding off of all of the participants, the people that want to put in are there. You just, it's the best, you know, having you, Greg, having people who have been in the game for a long time because the conversations that are going to come up, man, holy shit, the way that everything connects is tremendous. So when you turn yourself on to 11 and then you open yourself up, the manifestations really start to occur, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, I think it's underliving, underutilizing these things that are sacred to us that we might not know about until we get around people who are in the game and have really been playing for a long time and have figured out some things, you know, without hopefully getting too old yet to lose relevance. <laughs> yeah, that's well said. And I'm definitely guilty of not getting out in the world enough since I started the show. I pretty much just stay behind the mic, do everything digitally, and then kind of like uh, never really do real world events. But I've done a few more of them in recent years. And you are right about the conversations. Everybody's got a couple of stories. Even my car, which has a wrap on it that is for the show, like people stop me in grocery store parking lots and like, hey, you have a UFO on your car. So can I tell you about this thing that my uncle saw in the military? I'm like, sure. Uh, you know, they don't even know I have a show or a podcast. They just see that and they're like, oh, somebody who won't think I'm crazy. I've been having this story rattle around. Well, that's a room full of these people who have stories who uh, catalog them appropriately as you know, things that probably really happened, not to mock. And I think that's cool. I went to an event in Seattle and a guy was telling me about this Bigfoot sighting he had. And he showed the picture on his phone is one of the best pictures, not smoking gun evidence, but one of the better pictures of what looked like a eight foot tall figure in the woods. And, you know, he doesn't have a platform to get it out there anywhere, but he's just like, yeah, it's right here. I mean, I was camping and we heard the tree knocks and then here's the thing. I was like, holy shit, that's that's pretty awesome. So that stuck out to me. And a room full of people always have cool stories if they are the types of people who don't dismiss these sort of things. And Joe, I was going to ask you a little more about magic. That is your expertise. But clearly, as you mentioned, breathing is a huge factor in getting yourself to an altered state. 
which is key for being in the right mind frame for uh, magical ritual and magical effects. I don't know how deep you go into that in these events, but I do believe there's at least group meditation, potentially astral travel training. How deep does that go? And, and how quick can you teach a person to astral travel? Well, yeah, that's a really good question there, actually. So I've been doing uh, this a while, Joe. Yeah, man, that's a good one, <laughs> right? So <laughs> the thing about it is, is my whole thing is based on the hermetic mysteries, which is the three stages of hermetics, which is all the whole thing about Hermes, right? If you want to just narrow it down, make it simple, it's the operation of the moon, the sun, and the stars. First, we have to understand that everything comes from the mind, so the moon is the first stage, and that is the stage of magic. Magic in the traditional sense of understanding the elements and understanding what programs us and what empowers us and all this other stuff. You know, you got the elements, your emotions, your intellect, your fire, desire, and will, right? Your physical body and your life. And then understanding the unconscious. That's a whole side to that thing. But a lot of energy, a lot of everything that the beginnings of magic teach is all the same as everything else. Balance, breathing, focus, trance states, right? And then the idea is to see how well you can focus in that trance state and clear your mind. And that's not much different than like any other breathing stuff before you even get to the magical part. But it's necessary to get in that state before you do. So I'm not like a super advanced occultist. I've stayed right where the basic principles of magic are because there's so freaking much in there. And then when you do a session and you start giving people visions and saying, you know, picture this, imagine this, because you're trying to keep them awake as their body's falling to sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Hypnagogic state. Yeah, man. Once you can hold them there and they can feel what you can call it what you want, but it's your etheric double, your body, when you can feel that start to come out, it opens up a whole new world to you, like your entire paradigm just get shaken. And that's my favorite part because that's that kind of stuff that's never happened to people. They're so focused on manifesting stuff. But the second that happens, they're like, wait a minute, what's this? Hmm. Right. And I'm like, well, once you learn what this is, then the manifesting stuff will just, you'll understand that you are a manifesting machine to begin with. The first stage of magic is to teach you not to become that, but to let you know that you forgot, hmm. right? That you forgot who you were in a sense, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Owen, have you gone down much of a magical path at all? I mean, clearly, if you're about identifying goals and moving towards them, that is in the ballpark. But have you had any kind of experiences with magic, meditation, anything mental that really blew the doors off and said, well, this whole idea that the matter is is primary, this whole idea we're taught about the materialist world, it can't be true because I just experienced X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I've had, I was really on the hermetic path and then it kind of got disrupted. That's kind of where I was headed when I discovered a modality called reality transurfing, which hmm. is a really obscure Russian quantum physicist's model. It's this really thick book, but he goes into a good bit of depth, just identifying phenomenon, energetic phenomenon, how we kind of emotionally make contracts and communicate with the universe. And basically, you know, if I could sum that up, I'd say we are the ritual, right? And I know mm -hmm. Joe will agree with me. We've talked about this at length ad nauseum. 
And basically, it's about aligning our heart and mind. We're basically polar beings. We have this subconscious heart and, you know, the conscious mind. And we want to align both of those things and have those different elements of ourself working in unison. So, you know, it really has a lot to do with that. When I kind of stumbled upon that, and I've done a lot of meditation and different things like that as well. And I've had some amazing experiences with the breath work. Even before we did this last year, two years ago, I did the Wim Hof fundamentals course that my friend Abby recommended it to me. So what Joe was talking about, my friend Abby and I call it the purple donut. You know, it's like you see the, yeah, your yeah. third eye right here yeah. when you're breathing. And it's like this weird looking for me, like purple light, you know, looking kind of weird thing. And having those experiences, honestly, I don't think I've ever felt better in my life than when I started doing Wim Hof breathing. I felt so connected. And when we're in alignment, when our heart and mind are like, yep, this is the direction. The author talks a lot about charisma and he talks a lot about, you know, authenticity and energy. And when we're focused and in agreement with ourselves, that's what authenticity is. That's what attractiveness is. When you see somebody and you're like, you know, there's something about them. They have a charm. They have a je ne sais quoi or whatever, right? Yeah. And what that is, is them being themselves. Like Chris Farley is a perfect example, right? Like there's something about that guy that you just, and Joe kind of has his, his likeness to me, you know, like as far as energetically, like a warmth, an approachability, something that's really genuine and whatever it is about you. Those things are going to come off when you're energetically aligned. And we can look at that through a hermetic lens, but I try to just make it as simple as possible, you know, and mm -hmm. just leaning into that like essence. I think that's really to talk about it polar too. It's like we have a personality that we've developed that we're conscious about that society's programmed and embedded in us. And then we have this essence that's something that no words can define. It's something that's special and unique about us. Maybe that's where that spark comes that connectivity to the infinite or the divine or however you want to define that. But whenever we can bring both of those things together, like now we see our personality working on behalf of our essence, as opposed to the other way around, which is kind of how more people live. So, you know, a lot of times our conscious mind is what tends to get in the way and our heart is really the spot to begin. And it might sound cheesy, whatever, like live, laugh, love, but truly like the subconscious, the heart, the part of you that is the depth essence part of you that really needs to be running the show. And the conscious mind is really like the navigator in the passenger seat of the car saying, yeah, turn here, go here. You know, oh, here's how we figure out this challenge. So I think when we kind of, instead of putting the cart before the horse, once we start with who we really are and what we really want and start being honest with ourselves, then we can begin to chart that course out. And then now that masculine, conscious mind can help us to get along the path exactly as we need to with the least amount of resistance. The idea is that, you know, we choose, you said this word earlier, and that's perfect. That is spot on. It's really not about manifestation. It's about choice. And when you truly choose, you create intention. So now our heart and mind is in alignment going towards something. We're going toward it and it's coming to us at the same time. So I know I kind of talked a lot but all this stuff, it's all the same, ultimately. It's just really about finding what works for us. That's where Darren and I really kind of 
got to talking about, you just got to find something to believe in. It could be Napoleon Hill. It could be reality transurfing. It can be whatever. It doesn't matter what that is, whatever your model is, your custom grip on reality. And then you can begin to really chart your course and make really quick progress at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so many of the modalities and models, they rhyme. They check a lot of the same boxes, put a lot of thought into your intentions, focus on your inner world and not so much on the outer world, breathing, meditation. I mean, all the building blocks are the same and then they might branch out into different directions, but it's like, you got to get the fundamentals and all you guys seem to be focused on that. And that's kind of a, a synergy that happens at these events is you're away from the family, you're away from the job. And now you have three to four days out in this cabin to really Think about how you want it to affect your life. How you, what do you want to take away from it? And now that you have the time and the other people interested in a group meditation, you don't have to feel so silly about it because we're all just trying it out. You know, we're all just seeing what happens. And, you know, you hear the stories. We all know the stories of what masters of meditation and masters of magical ritual, what they can accomplish. So you don't have to feel silly about dipping your toe in a little bit. And it's fun to do with a lot of other people that are also just dipping their toe in. And I wanted to ask Darren a little bit about just the difficulty in creating events the last couple of years. Obviously, we don't have to go back over all of it, but is it getting easier? Uh, you just came back from Egypt, a big international trip. I probably wouldn't have even attempted with the uh, with my status in, in a lot of ways, but I feel like I, you know the ways around those things and you've got the uh, indigenous loophole. So I guess you have the golden ticket to go wherever you want without putting anything in your body. But what do you think about the difficulty in, in making these events and just the kind of punk rock attitude of saying, you know, I don't really care what the news is saying. You're not going to amp up fear to any sort of level where I'm not going to do this thing I want to do. Well, to be fair, we did cancel two events oh, no. in 2020. I built you up so well, and you just had to drag it back down. Yeah, and we did the one in 2019, which wasn't really an event. It was more of a, I guess you could call it a monetized meetup. You can monetize meetups? I didn't know that. I'm leaving <laughs> a lot of money on the table. No, well, we lost money, so uh, so it turns out you can't. Fair. But from there, we had scheduled... The very first event we were going to do, which was the Utah event, Contact at the Canyons, Bryson Zion Canyon, with, of course, Brown and Powell doing the Wim Hof stuff up there because we're way up in Duck Creek, Utah. It's like three hours from Vegas, but it's like straight up the fucking mountain. And you go from the desert to the snow pretty quickly, and it's cold up there, and the stars are amazing. So we do it with David Matheson. I think you know Dave Matheson, of course. So yeah. we go out to... There's a couple spots around the chalet that we rent out that we can look at the stars, but there's also, we go out to Bryce Canyon the one night and we watch the sunset at Sunset Point. And then all the stars come out and we look at the stars and it gets chilly, but you know, it's beautiful. It's amazing. So we had that scheduled for 2020 and our thing was we were just going for it because honestly, at the time, I didn't think it was going to last long because this was like right at the beginning of COVID. And 
you know, we all listen to No Agenda and I put a lot of stock in what they say and they were like, you know, I can't see this. It's just not going to stick and it's going to be gone. So we were like, pedal to the metal. We're going for it. We're doing it. And like three or four weeks before the event, the fucking airlines canceled all of our flights. And like, didn't call, didn't anything. All of a sudden, I just got an email. The money was back on the credit card. All of the flights were refunded. There was no flights. And at that time, so we could have drove, but the owners were like, we can't. We can't have a bunch of people. So the Airbnbs were shut down and they were like, we could lose our thing here. We could lose it there. So we kicked it back a year. Then in 2021, they tried us. It was all the same crazy bullshit. And they tried to stop us again. But in 2021, we found some workarounds. I think in 2021, I had, I don't think I used the Indian exemption. In 2021, you could still travel if you were an essential service. Mm. So we bought a fake website, exioenergy.com, and we made email addresses and we said that we were this Kansa oil and well, actually we didn't, we never said oil anywhere. We kept it at energy. So we're energy consultants. We help people manage energy, which we've always maintained that we do. That's what these yeah. events are about, are about <laughs> a refocusing your energy, recharging your energy. So we said we're energy consultants. And I got this letter. I got my hands on the letter that ATCO, which is one of the biggest energy companies in Alberta, they have so many subcontractors and everything that had to travel that they just like, they weren't going to personalize them all. So they just sent out this giant generic that says the holder of this letter, blah, blah, blah. So I got a hold of that. Mm. One of the listeners of the show had a company that was doing, so he had this letter. He's like, I'll send it to you. I can't say who it was, but shout out to him. He knows who he is. He sent the letter and I go through it. And it's like, it says exactly, it just says the holder of this letter is on official business for ATCO, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, so we made business cards for XO Energy and we made email addresses and phone numbers and all that. So that when we went to the border, I just have the XO Energy, the letterhead there, the ATCO letterhead. I had them both laminated and then I'd clip the little, my business card to it and I'd just drive up to the border and I'll give them that. And it was always kind of a pain getting into Canada, getting into the U.S. The very first one, I go to Buddy and I'm like, this was my first time doing it, so I'm a little nervous. I'm like, fuck, here we go. You know, we're just... And the, but the U.S. border guards, they don't give a fuck. They really don't. It was at the airport, the TSA guy. I mean, he was a good old dude. And I'm like, I'm flying to Vegas for the weekend. And I'm like telling him I'm doing it for work. He's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I just got to go check out some sites around southwestern utah and northwest nevada so you know i gotta gotta head down he's like okay man well you have a good time (laughs) so we went down there and the great thing about that is that everything was super cheap like we rented a beautiful airbnb in vegas for an overnight that got to be like two grand or 1500 bucks a night normally we got it for like five or six hundred bucks for the night because nobody was traveling at that time there was no traffic the airports were a dream we had to wear a mask. There was no getting around that at that time. So that was kind of lame. And we went out in Vegas and it was funny in Vegas because there'd be the casinos were just packed fucking wall to wall, but everyone had a mask on. So I mm. guess it was, yeah, we pulled off two events during COVID, during like the hard COVID. Luckily we had venues by then. 
like the guys in Utah and the Shasta people and all these people are kind of on the same page as us, which is this weird thing that sort of has happened is everyone we've met sort of along the way is like, because we've done it all through COVID. It's all been through this COVID pandemic and everyone we've sort of bumped into along the way have the same mindset as us, especially at the events, because this is, I mean, we're doing this right at the height of the fear mongering yeah. and the vaccine pushes just getting ready to get going. And so obviously everyone at the event has like completely put aside all this programming. And that's sort of the main thing, the main thing we've noticed. And that's sort of the thing we stumbled into. I mean, we did, um, we started the events just as wanting to go out and do some travel and meet the people we were talking to on the podcast. And we couldn't afford to just, you know, hire Dave Matheson to take us to Zion and all these places. And so we figured out a way to do that, to entice these guys to come out, put a little money in their pocket and sort of bring the podcast to life. But what we found along the way is that everyone's sort of starving for this yeah. community. Mm -hmm. And that's when we did the very first events with Randall down at Pagosa, the craziest thing is because we did 10 days. We ran three groups through in 10 days. We did two three-day events and a four-day event. And at the end of every event when people are leaving, there's always at least one or two people in the group that are like crying. And, you know, there's people are, the one thing we hear over and over again, and it's fucking great, is that we're a bunch of fucking idiots. No, the main thing we hear is that, and we hear it over and over, is this is the best trip I've ever been out of my life. Damn. That's why we get the cult tag, is because what happens is people go to one event, and I mean, we'll have half the people coming this year, or at least a third of them were there last February. And the same thing happens in Utah, where it's the same people. We've had a couple of people that are coming to the same Randall Carlson tour. I mean, we've already gone and drove all over the Scablands, and they're doing it two and three times because they can't find what they're finding at these events anyplace else. And what we think that is, is exactly what, you know, everyone else has sort of touched on, where you can just go talk to anybody in the group. Mm -hmm. And the biggest one we did was Egypt, and I can't take credit for that because you know, it was really Uncharted X, Ben over at Uncharted and his connections. And of course, big shout out to the Brothers of the Serpent. They were in on that as well. But it was Ben's connections with the Kemet School over in Egypt that connected Yusuf Aswan. And they did a phenomenal job. I mean, really, all I literally was able to just get away with doing a lot of promotion. And then when I went there, I just had to like crack jokes and, you know. <laughs> be sort of the host you know do you need anything are you having a good time and that was a group of 60 and there was people from all over the world and the cool thing is that helps out is a bunch of grammarica people there mm -hmm. so like you know you find a get in your corner you find the dope smokers we found some dopes who were getting high the whole time it was fantastic mm. and i got high in the queen's chamber of the great pyramid <laughs> yeah you told me that when i was on grammarica and i've been thinking about it ever since and blew the weed smoke out of the fucking vent holes. Dude. So we had one-hitters, right? So the beauty of the one-hitters, we just took it everywhere we went, and we were, we were just, like, smoking everywhere. The weed in Cairo was good, great. I would say it, like, held up to the weed I'm smoking home. <laughs> the weed on the boat that we got in Luxor was unlimited. There was lots of it for pretty cheap, but it was really not that good. So you're just smoking giant canyons. And you're not really getting that baked, but at least you're smoking. And then the weed we got in Aswan, 
was really good. But it had so many seeds in it that it took you a fucking 45 minutes to roll a joint. Damn. Well, you know, I've already sent you last night my little deep dive onto the dis- in the dispensaries of Mount Shasta. So we're already set up, you know. Yeah, you found the weed. There's a town called Weed outside of Shasta, isn't there? There is. Yeah, they sell a lot of T-shirts at truck stops to teenagers who think that's uh it is a weird name, but they've capitalized on it. Too. Cali's like the land of weed. I oh, mean, yeah. I've, all the weed we had in Utah last year came from Cali. And hopefully this time Joe doesn't get quite as high before he's supposed to go up and speak. Dude, l- listen, y'all. Hold <laughs> on. Let, let me just tell you guys something real quick. I didn't know he was going to speak before we smoked three joints in a row. Dude, like I didn't either, but this <laughs> this is like a dream come true for me. So if you don't think magic is real, I'm sitting here talking to two of the people that I used to listen to, right? And imagine that I was like even remotely doing anything close to that. And now I'm going to hang out with them at Mount Shasta. So magic is flat out real, 100%. Secondly, like that is the highest I've ever been in my entire life. In my entire life, dude. Like it kind of freaked me out for a second. I was like, man, I might actually be the first person to die from weed. I mean, right here in front of Greg and Darren and all these people. But yeah, I got to pace myself. And Darren, he'll do stuff. If you ain't careful, if you get trapped in a vehicle with him, he'll get lost on purpose. Yeah, we'll be there in a little bit, right? And the next thing you know, you're going somewhere else, dude. Like, you just keep turning around and there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. You guys are pros. I'm just saying I can't do it. The old back like, road I'm going to do my best, though. Yeah. I will do my best. You got Brandon pushing you with the oxygen, Darren <laughs> pushing you with the weed. Like, it's everything's intense. It's a big and yet conspiracy. you still feel like so much love at these events. Nobody wants to go home when they're over. They just don't want to go home, man. Yeah. Everything coordinates to get your, your breathing right. We got the weed yeah. on site and then the love. You're getting high on everything. Yeah. Sometimes some light party. I mean, there tends to be a night where people party a little bit. I mean, Sam we get, to be honest. style FTX orgy. We don't get that crazy that I know of, but they might be hiding some stuff for me. They might be hiding some stuff from the boss. When you leave at midnight, you don't know what goes on at two. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, I know a game of butt darts broke out in the- I know in the lobby of the chalet in Utah. All right, well. I may or may not have been involved in that game, <laughs> but that doesn't matter. That's not what we're talking about. But, it, you know, it was just, we added the extra night because what happened is we're going and we're going to, say, Zion one day and we're going to Bryce the next and it's a bit of hiking and you don't get back to the chalet until dinner time. I mean, the one night we have dinner out on the canyon. And the main complaint we were getting, other than about Brandon's creepiness, is that there was not enough time amongst the people just hanging out. It was go, 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 go. So that's why we ended up making them four nights instead of three so that we could kind of have a day in between where we can do something like Greg was talking about doing a a panel podcast or something like that, something where we're just hanging around, we're not jammed all day long, and people have more time to sit around. And, I mean, people are fucking all talking about getting married that have met at some of these events and, you know, friendships are getting formed. We met the Brothers of the Serpent at an event and, you know, we've been in business with them ever since. So it's really, you never know who you'll meet there. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I look forward to it for sure. Yeah, but guys, this was certainly enjoyable. I liked how it flowed. We had 
five people on a call. I can't say I've ever done that, and it went really well. Before we go, obviously, everybody's going to get a moment to talk about where they can be found on the internet and how people can get into what they do. But Darren, first, give people the details about this event, what kind of capacity we have left, and all that kind of good stuff. Well, we've got the events run on February 9th to 13th and just staying just outside of Redding, California, just south of Mount Shasta. And we've got some singles left, which would be a single bed in a room with some other single beds with some other people out there. It'd always be guys in one room and girls in the other sort of situation. And we've got some camping left. And I want to say that's about it. The coaches are about done. Actually, I talked to the venue owner last night and she said there's a loft space with a couple of spots. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we might have a few more of those entry level spots available. Did she mention ever seeing anything weird on the property? I should ask her. She doesn't live there mostly. She lives down in Arizona most of the time. But there is definitely some spots left. And people get, you know, they see the price and like a thousand bucks. It starts at a thousand bucks to get in, but you got to remember it's four nights. We're going to take you to and from the airport. We're going to feed you for those four nights. We're going to have snacks. We're going to have food. We're going to have lunch. We're going to have coffee. We're going to have all of that stuff. We'll get you to and from the airport. So we're going to feed you, put you up, and transport you. If you need to run to the store for something, we're going to drive you there. So you're just, you know, fully covered for the four days that you're there. And that's kind of not cheap to do. So, you know, just sort of bear that in mind is you're not going to spend any money after you get there unless it's to buy something or to get a souvenir or anything like that. Well, other than that, we got you for food, for, you know, there'll be plenty of weed. There'll be all that stuff will be flying around. So you don't have to worry about any of that. And if you head over to contact at the cabin.com, all of our events are there. Magic on the Mountain is the one coming up with Greg. And Joe and the guys we've been talking about here, we can see our stuff with Randall Carlson and our Utah 420 event that we've got coming up later this year. And we've got an Eclipse event we're going to do for the Eclipse down in Texas in 2024. And we'll probably do some South America stuff soon. And we'll be back to Egypt eventually. So, you know, there's a mailing list you can sign up there for, and then you get apprised of everything we're up to. So I'd advise that. And if you want to check out my podcast, it's over at grandamerica.ca where we do the paranormal, spiritual sort of stuff. And then we have grandamericaoutlaw.ca where we do the anti-government, spiritual, anti-vax stuff. <laughs> and then we have all our audiobooks, almost 100. I think we're like, we'll definitely by the first quarter of this year have 100 audiobooks for sale on Audible and iTunes of a bunch of different from a bunch of different people, from Charles Fort to Helen Blavatsky to, I don't even know, you name Manly P. Hall, all those greats. And you can get all those at adultbrain.ca. And then I think that's about it. I mean, that's really, I'm kicked off of Twitter, so you can't really find me. You can find me on Instagram. I'm really hard to find. Elon's Twitter too, right? Yeah, Elon's Twitter has kicked me off. And I've heard from multiple people that Elon's Twitter seems at best the same and possibly worse than it was before. My appeal was denied. I've been accused of harassing politicians, the political class. Uh -huh. So what are you going to do? You can find me on Instagram, I guess, at Darren underscore Grimes underscore. 
and that's what I got. Well, one less social media profile to keep up. I consider it a blessing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I see your audiobooks go up all the time, and it's just another example of how it seems like I have the worst work ethic in this group here. But Mr. Powell, talk to us about the irons you have in the fire out there and how people can get engaged with what you do if they don't make it to this event. Yeah, it's very easy to find me. If you're looking for events, the WimHoffMethod.com website has a instructors section and you can find me in the instructors section and all my events will be listed there. So that's the WimHoffMethod.com site. And then I have my own website. It's OnFire, O-N-P-H-Y-R.com, OnFire.com. And if you want to email me, you can email me there. Ultimately, uh, we're also at Instagram. I have a couple pages there. Not too much going on at Instagram, but we're still there doing our thing. It's Brandon Powell 396 at Instagram. So you can find us there. And I have a link tree, and that leads to all my events as well, including the Grim America events and contact at the cabin. So everything is there. Love it. Love it. And Joe, hit us with the good stuff. Right on, man. I appreciate you having me on here, man. This is cool. So uh, lightingthevoid.com is my podcast radio show. I've been doing that since like 2015. The Deep Void members, where we do the magic and out-of-body stuff, is joeroop.com. And then the network we have is fringe.fm. And like you said before, I don't believe in comparison and I think anybody can establish even a small audience and crush it nowadays. And I've actually seen that happen on fringe.fm multiple times. So if you want to do a radio show or a music show, or you want to be a DJ, whatever, man, we got a platform for that too at fringe.fm. So beautiful, beautiful. Well, guys, this was awesome to talk to all of you. Thanks for doing it the way we did it. I know there are huge gaps between moments to speak with this many people on the line, but it takes a minute to get into some of these heady concepts and have a person explain their position. And it was great to talk to each of you about what you do best. And I look forward to seeing you in February. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Greg. Absolutely. Great to talk to you, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And jazz hands, everybody. Yes. A new THC record for guests and me as well as the first brand new version of the intro song I've rolled out from someone who actually does Broadway type work. And though I thought it was a little goofy and said to myself, where the hell am I going to use this one? <laughs> it seemed like a pretty good fit today. But yeah, four guests. It actually got me thinking about how many times we've even had three. And it seems like only once. And that was... Richard Gage, Barbara Honiger, and David Meiswinkle talking about a new grand jury for 9-11 Truth. I wonder what ever happened with that. I think I would have heard about it if anything serious happened there, but court cases can take a long time. Of course, there's a whole new trial and investigation I'd rather see happen since I talked to them back in 2019. But either way, it was fun to try to keep it all together today and to make sure everyone got their fair share of time. And it gave me a chance to test out my new audio toolkit on a challenging situation. And thankfully, everyone showed up sounding pretty good already, but there it is. 
The Magic on the Mountain Men. We've got this thing coming up, and it was a great opportunity to pregame a little bit, and I look forward to the main event. Of course, I tried to fold in some of the mysterious and mystical stuff from the area, as well as the names of the specific places where some of this stuff is said to be, because I do want to get out and make sure we do some exploring. Who knows when I'll be back around those parts. And you should consider coming out if you can make the time. Getting away from it all and being in a fun environment with like-minded people is good medicine for reality at large. And if I were to ask if this reality would get more stressful and invasive or less in the next decade, I'd have to say more. So the medicinal value of such an event might be worth more than we even know. <laughs> but I like all these guys. They're fun. They all have their own little niche of knowledge. And Darren and Graham have done some great events in the past. And I'm impressed with how consistent they've been. I'm happy to be able to go to one finally. I mean, I stopped into the Pine Top event with a buddy of mine, but my other friend had some flight issues. So the two of us decided to come back to San Diego so he could meet the baby and my wife didn't have to be alone for the extended weekend. So it really was just a pop-in, but this time I'm going whole hog. There's a lot of merit in the Wim Hof breathing and cold therapy, and I'm going to try to dive into that fully as well. So contact at the cabin if you're interested. But in higher side news, there's really not a lot going on. <laughs> I got a ton of feedback on that Instagram, Twitter post regarding ad revenue for THC. Because it is so, so, so damn much. And I really just wanted to see how listeners reacted. I don't even use social media much anymore. So I thought, let me throw this up there and see what happens. And surprisingly, the vast majority said, take the money. Who cares about skipping ahead two minutes to get through some ads? And I appreciate the spirit of that quite a bit. People encouraging me to do something I haven't wanted to do and have been vocal about not doing and just rooting for the success of me and the show. It felt good. And granted, I'm sure those numbers I posted are inflated, and I know the highest value ads are in the middle of the show, and that is not something I'm going to do at all. But I suppose I've been thinking about it a little bit and where it could possibly fit in with what I do overall. Personally, I hate ads. And I wish podcasts were not on a sponsorship model. But at some point, I think I've got to just hear the signal that my own listeners are sending me, which is that the vast majority, like 90 plus percent of listeners, have said, we don't care that there's a second hour for eight bucks. We are fine with just the free first hour. Now, it's disappointing to me that 90 plus percent of listeners feel that way. Really disappointing but it is what it is. I've still been able to live pretty well, so that's not really the issue. And if I do anything with this kind of stuff, I can say the Plus Show wouldn't change at all. Those are my people, and they get it. And there's a lot that I think is great and unique about a two-hour show, and most others are only an hour. But having a kid now, and wanting to make this big move, and having a bit of trepidation about what place there is for a conspiracy podcast in another decade, makes me think I might want to extract some value from the free show, too, while I can. 
You know, I tried to make my pitch many times that podcast hosts shouldn't be selling blue chew pills or keeps. What if we find out in five years? Yeah, it regrows hair, but it also gives you cancer. You know, I think it's a bad model overall, but there are other things to sell that aren't pills. And again, I just got to consider what the audience has been telling me, which is largely that they don't care about Plus. The irony of it all is that we crush the industry standard. If you read the marketing books on this kind of thing, they say you can expect to convert 3 to 5% of people from a free to a paid product. And we do that. Great. But I expected when I started it that it would probably be like 30% or even 50% of people that say, this show is awesome. I love these guests. I love that they're packed full of information. Why would I miss half? But whatever, I'm not trying to complain. I'm a very fortunate guy. I'm just considering all the pros and cons of doing things just like everybody else. I never wanted to read an ad in my life, but we all do things we don't want to do at work sometimes, right? <laughs> Again, this is just an idea of several ideas, actually, that I'm considering, and a couple of these ideas are unprecedented and pretty wild, but it's too early to get into that. We'll see what happens. But anyway, in today's Plus show, for those of you who are in the club, we talked about high strangeness in Pluto's cave, animism and mystic landscapes, the value of body movement that's in tune with sacred geometry, what we can do with our internal toolbox of ancient technology, secret societies and sex magic, portals in the Mount Shasta area, details on the strangest missing 411 case that happened at Mount Shasta, and the question for each of them that if listeners could only commit to one new habit, what are the things these guests would consider to be most important? So both some fun and practical stuff. I appreciate them joining me. Also, let's take a look at the THC meetup calendar so you can know what's what. Sadly, it seems like the San Diego meetup was last night, and I'm still kind of recovering from an extended weekend in New Orleans with some buddies of mine. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm not sick or anything, but every goddamn place is so loud you have to be yelling. <laughs> and I think I strained the moneymaker a little bit. But January 21st, we have an event in West Philadelphia at Pasquale's Pizza. Also, January 21st is another round of the Milwaukee Metaphysical Society in Portland, Oregon. January 22nd, Smoke and Joe's Barbecue, San Pedro, a Laguna, Guatemala. Loving it. Also on the 22nd of January, the Park Farm Winery Meetup in Durango, Iowa. January 26th, there is a meetup in Slab City, if you've ever heard of that unique place here in California. January 28th, the third meetup for the Asheville, North Carolina Hireside Chatters at the Crucis Cream Brewery. And there are two on the calendar so far for February. Might as well throw them out. The Conspiracy Theorizers, once again, in High Springs, Florida. And a very unique event that Gordon White is throwing to bring together the Hireside Chats people and the Rune Soup people in Wellington, New Zealand at a place called Foxglove. Check that out if you're in the New Zealand area or in any of these areas that I just mentioned. 
And if there's nothing close, go to HiresideMeetups.com and just fill out the form and make an event and the people will show up. It's that easy. But I guess that is it. I've done my part. Your move, Mystic Mountain Mystery Keepers, Self-Improvement Enthusiasts, and Gramerica Event Attenders. Your fucking Sometimes when I get down, I eat a bunch of corporate junk. Process stuff that makes you fat. Yeah, it's a weak and sickly people making industry. Technology, and every now and then I try to quit and leave it.